0: I see some new faces. Welcome to Emmaus. All right. Um, my voice is not uh, 100%. I lost my voice at the retreat last weekend at my church in New Philly. But um, just bear with me. It's a little huskier than usual. But that the power of the word will stay the same. Amen. Uh, today I was really excited to see each and every single one of you, and I'm 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 very very excited to speak this word to you. And I do believe that God's gonna release something powerful tonight, and it's gonna speak to you as if like, oh, she's talking about me type of stuff. So let me just throw it out there. And today I I want to know how many of you want to be used by God powerfully. Raise your hands if that's you. If you don't want, that's fine too. <laughs> but I want to talk about how it could be used by God in a powerful ways. Do you know that God wants to bless you? Do you know that? He loves you and then he wants your blessing more than you do? You know, you you may want some, certain breakthroughs, but God wants it more than you do. And that is his desire. He wants to bless you, right? But how many of you also know that God also wants to use you? So think about this, okay? You are very blessed at a church service, and you receive the gift of prophecy, gift of tongues, and you encounter God, and you receive lots of anointing from the Holy Spirit. Who is that for? Is that for you? Are you going to go home and prophesy over yourself? Or a gift of healing that I received? let's say? that. Am I going to go home and heal myself? I mean, yeah, for sure, definitely, but it's mainly for who? It's for other people. You guys get that? You know, you get excited about encountering God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Who is that for? It's not really for yourself. It's for the people around you. It's in a bigger picture for the nations. It's in a bigger picture for the kingdom of God. And that's the reason why God wants to touch you, bless you, and and even more, He wants to use you powerfully. And... um. You know, people ask me, Pastor Myung-ho, is your calling? What is your vision? When people ask you, what will be your answer? If you are faithfully following Jesus, and if you are a committed believer of, uh, of God, then many of you will say, oh, I'm called to go into a business area and uh, transform the culture world work, culture, whatever, if you're really into, like, different, uh, like, a mission stuff, like Pastor Rona, not Pastor Rona, but Rona will say something like, I want to go to nations, and I want to change, you know, whatever, like, I want to save people, I want them to encounter Jesus, you know, the way she says it, (laughs) you know, different things, maybe you have a dream or a vision to go into fashion industry, government, or finances, I don't know, you guys all have your dreams and callings, right? Maybe you are yet to find out, but definitely God will give it to you. Who is that for? Is it for you to make a lot of money and have a good life? I mean, part of it is yes, but there's more to it. When you go in there, you're going to meet people, right? When you go in there, you're going to change the culture and you're going to expand the kingdom of God in their place. So definitely everyone's vision, everyone's calling, everyone's life has something to do with Matthew chapter 28, the great commission of Jesus Christ. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So the center of your future, your dream, your vision, your calling is so much bigger than yourself. It's not all about having your needs met by God. Hey, that's given, okay? If that's the size of your dream, you need to dream bigger than that. You know, it's being provided for my needs for tuition. Hey, God loves you. He's got that for you. That's like given, okay? And what is there that's bigger than that? So I'm going to talk about that today. How can we be used by God? title, I just made it simple. For God to use you. For God to use you. Okay. So today, I'm going to share a lot about my own life and my stories and my testimonies. So I hope you guys enjoy that. And I'm going to just share from this passage and also the four keys that I found true uh, to be also in my life. How God was able to use me. In a powerful way, I think God uses me in a powerful way. Hallelujah! <laughs> and uh, I'm young, but I'm a I'm a pastor. Uh, I'm a single pastor, female single pastor. I'm proud to be. Uh, and uh, I'm 27. I'm just gonna expose my age. I'm 27. All right, um, very young, right? Um, and look even younger, right? But uh, I I was born and raised in Korea, uh, in Busan. And then when I was 19, I moved to Seoul, this city. Many of you did, right, for college. And I did the same thing. I moved to Seoul to go to UI Women's University, and that was my life. And that's where I encountered Jesus. Heard the gospel for the first time. I got saved. And then after college, went to seminary straight away. And then graduated, became a pastor. And God uses me in different nations, nations that I never dreamt of even going to, like Malaysia, Indonesia, Nepal, Cambodia, Philippines, all you name it. Uh, and also like Australia. And like America, even developed English speaking countries, I never thought I would speak so fluently in this language that I'm speaking in right now. I was monolingual, 한국말밖에 못했어요. Even just just a few years ago, I was just a monolingual, Korean-speaking, timid girl that was crazy scared of stage, you know. And like right now, I, I sound like I'm rapping, you know, in front of all of you, and I'm not even, you know, I love this, you know. How did this happen? How did I allow God to use me in this way that I never dreamt of? I'm going to share four keys with you, so you better write these things down, all right? So the passage that we're going to turn to is Matthew chapter 14. It's one of my favorite passages. I think I say this about every passage of the Bible. But Matthew chapter 14, uh, we're going to read together verses 22 to 33. So this little story, that it's titled, Jesus Walks on the Water. There are many stories of disciples and Jesus. Uh, having some kind of incident on the water, on the boat, you know, like the storm coming, uh, disciples waking Jesus up, that story, and like, in in you know all these stories, but this one in particular is my favorite, and I'm gonna read it for you. I'm reading from ESV, so just just just, just follow with your eyes. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Let me give you some little background of this story, okay? This is immediately after disciples and Jesus feeding 5,000 people in like a desert, like a little area. But you you got to understand where they're coming from, okay? It's, an, it's after a long day of ministry. I'm talking about like a long day of feeding more than 20,000 people dinner. It, have you ever done that before? It's like a stadium full of people kind of thing, you know. And then people are like, I, you know, give me food too. Here too. She got one more breath than I did. You know, give me one more fish. And people are like screaming and kids are crying. It's like after a ministry of feeding 20,000, 20,000 plus people because 5,000 is only counting a grown-up men. So if you think about their wives and their children, like, Teenagers, it's like huge crowd of people and then they were just done finishing them. And then the, 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 the Bible tells us that they collected leftover afterwards, right? So that means that they were done eating and then they cleaned up the place. You know, they were like picking up the leftovers. Can you imagine? Feeding twenty thousand people and cleaning up after them? That's a lot of work. I would never want to do that. Imagine like oh you guys are not Kory Oyun, but anyways. Like cleaning up after like Hoyonjan type of event, like that's so much work, you know. It's just like a poor twelve of them. Come on, you know? And it's after a long day and they must have been what? Tired. Are you with them? mad tired and they were put on the boat and jesus told them to row away to the other side so disciples were like okay we'll meet you i guess on the other side then and they're on the way they're rowing for hours guys the wind is against them and do you know how difficult it is to run against the wind or bike against the wind or even like row against the wind it's no joke I've done that before, like once, but it's really difficult. So he's like, they're rowing, rowing, but then it's not moving. They're still far away from the land. And I, I uh, looked it up. In the original language, it's, they're still like 600 feet away from the land, 185 meters away from the land. You guys on the sprint, right? So you know the meter, right? 185 meters away. That's like in the middle of the water. And what time is it? This incident is happening uh 3 to 6 a.m. Sometime in between 3 to 6 a.m. If you've ever ever done like all-nighter, man, this is like a killer hour. Like you're losing your mind, you know? You're like delirious. (laughs) You're eating and you're studying and you're losing your mind and that's the hour that they are in. And they're like, we're gonna get there somehow, you know? Mad, crazy, tired. And they saw someone walking on water. And like, no wonder they're freaking out. Like, that's a ghost! Woo! They're crying out in fear, and that's exactly what's happening. Are you guys with them? You guys are with them, right? And then, this is crazy. Go to verse 28. You know, Jesus is like so gangster. He just says one thing: take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then the disciples, I guess, calm down at that word. And then 28. This blows my mind away. Listen, Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So this passage is about Peter walking on the water. And you guys need to catch this. Peter's walking on water was not Jesus' idea. It was Peter's idea. It was his suggestion. God, Jesus, if it's you, command me to get out of the boat and walk on the water. Peter really didn't have to, you know why? Because Jesus was on the way to the boat anyways. So I would have said, Jesus, if that's you, just come, come, hurry, come make your way here, and I'll be, I'll be, you know, I'll give you a hug or something when you get here. Jesus, if it's you, if they're really scared and can't believe that that's Jesus or ghost, could you just stay there and see you in the morning? Peace, you know, something like that. But Peter. In his boldness, it's crazy. He says, if it's you, command me to go out of the boat and walk on the water. What the? Peter really didn't have to. And Peter, instead of just waiting in the boat, he got up and he walked on water. You know, God loves to hear us say, God, use me. He loves to hear that from you. Not just just bless me or whatever, but use me in a powerful way. God's never going to rebuke you when you say it to Him. Lord, use me in a powerful way. Use me in a mighty way. He's never going to say to you, you're not good enough. He's never going to say to you, why are you asking for that? He's going to jump on that. He's going I will use you for your willingness, for your heart. The first point of mind is this. Key, first key is ask God to use you. Ask him to use you. See how Jesus is not insecure about sharing his ministry with us. He actually doesn't mind if we ex- excel him in everything that he did. Actually, in the Bible, John chapter 14, 12 to 14, jesus these are Jesus' words. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Rona talked about that earlier, right? And greater works than these will he do. Whoever believes in me will do greater things than I did. Jesus, you did some crazy stuff. You guys know that? He did some insane things. And he's saying, whoever believes in me will do greater things. And because I'm going to the Father, and whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Those are exact words of Jesus we need to take this word very seriously and personally. I think many people read it and think, oh, that's good. Maybe that's for some super Christians or some pastors and whatever. Maybe for, it may a step, but not really for me. No, whoever believes in him will do the greater things. It's talking about you. It's talking about you guys. Every single person in this room, if you believe in Jesus Christ, it's talking about you. You know, what if other disciples... I always imagine, man, this would have been so cool if other disciples on the boat asked him the same thing. So let's say Peter led the way, you know, like, Jesus, if you command me to walk, and he did, what if other disciples had the hunger to be used by God the same way? Man, Peter's doing it. Why not me? I'm going to do it too. Like, could you command me to walk on water? I think Jesus wouldn't have said, nope, it's just for Peter. Not for you, I don't think he would have said that. I think he would be like, come on out. Let's have some dance party on the water or something. (laughs) You know, you want to do some racing on the water? I think it would have been some crazy party on the water. But then it was just Peter, according to this passage, that asked to be used in this way. And experienced this miracle. And the result was he did walk on the water. That's crazy. Man, I don't... Why, why didn't they ask? Ah, chum. Ah, man. Most exciting chapter of the Bible. Just, you know. Anyways. And I think there is definitely a level of faith that we need to, be asked, to ask Jesus to use us. So, you know, you guys know Jesus healed many, right? Many sick. And there are many, many tr- accounts of Jesus healing the sick in a miraculous ways. You guys know that, right? It's one thing to know that Jesus healed many, and oh yeah, I believe God heals, and I pray for healing. I hope that God heals many as well around me. That's one thing to say, but it's another thing to believe it for you to be used in that way. God used me to lay lay hands on that person and heal that person. That's a totally different story. I mean, you could believe that Jesus heals, but why not through you? Why are you partially believing in the Word of God and not believing that God wants to use you to do that? Why are you limiting yourself? You just disqualify yourself. And God's like, hey, why not through you? One thing to believe that Jesus is the only Savior and he's going to bring many to God's kingdom, praise God. But another thing to say, God, use me to lead my roommate to Christ. Use me to share the gospel with that girl, and I'm going to get that, get that classmate. You know, that's exactly what my roommate did in college. She led me to Christ over my 19th uh, birthday cake. So she prepared like a little choco pie cake in the room with like, like a little balloons. And then I came home after partying, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then uh, she sent me down, shared the four spiritual laws with me. It's pretty much the basic form of gospel. And um, I just, I was just ready. And I said, I think I'm ready to accept him. And then she just right then and there grabbed my hand. And she just led me to sinner's prayer. And I prayed and I was saved. You know what happened following morning? I woke up smiling for the first time. I opened my eyes and I noticed that, oh my gosh, I'm smiling. Have you ever experienced that before? Because I had such spirit of sorrow and depression in me, right after I received Christ, I will wake up in my dorm room smiling. Like a crazy person. It was the joy of the Lord, you know? And my roommate did. You guys can do the same thing. She didn't do something crazy. She didn't like freak me out or anything. She was so gentle about it. You know, eating a chocolate pie, you know? Hey, my have you heard of this, you know? And she did that. And simply through her act, I came to the kingdom of God. You know, we pray for healing. We pray for salvation. We pray for different things. But it's, Another thing, too, ask God to use me in that way. You know, I never thought, guys, never, ever thought, ever, ever thought I would heal someone on the spot. Rona kind of introduced me to be, like, the one that saw a lot of signs and wonders on missions, and yes, I did. I saw blind eye open in front of my eyes, like, right then and there. Like, completely, 100% blind person, being healed at 95% like holding his wife's face with tears because he hasn't seen her face for, like, I don't know how, how long. And um, I saw a lame, lame lady walking into the service, and then she walked out on her both legs after the service. Nobody even laid hands on her, but I I was preaching, so I take some credit, you know. So, (laughs) things like that. I never thought God would use me in these ways, but I simply asked him, God, I want to experience that. It's awesome that my church is moving in it, but I want to do it with my own hands. Not for my own glory, God, but for the glory of your son, I want to do it. I want to expand your kingdom because I believe in this word that I will do greater things than Jesus did. Man, one day, you know what? I'm serious. I'm going to walk on water, guys. I'm going to Instagram it, and you will all see it. (laughs) You know, I'm going to get like thousands of likes. Yeah, hashtag, oh snap. (laughs) I'm walking on water. It's not ice, by the way, you know. It may happen. You know, I'm really believing that God's going to use me in that way. You know, maybe you are not seeing the miracles of God because you're simply not asking. Maybe you're just simply not asking. He said, if you ask him my name, I'll do it. How simple is that, Bible verse? Do you need a lot of interpretation for that? Simple English right here. <laughs> if you ask him my name, I will do it. I will do it. You know, I when I was your age, uh, this, just, this sentence made me sound really old, too. <laughs> But um, I when I when I was in college, my number one priority of every summer vacation, winter vacation was mission trips. It was not even like a question. I just fell in love with the feeling of when God just he just you know like just walking with him like for real, you know, like seeing him walk in my life, seeing him use me to touch others. It's just like. This is the most amazing feeling ever, guys. You get addicted to it. Oh, there's no, there's no rehab for that. Okay, you're you're stuck forever. Uh, my number one priority was mission trips, not because God told me you have to go on every single mission trip every summer, winter, but it was simply because I just fell in love with it. You know, there was nothing better than that. And I never asked God, God, do you want me to go? If you tell me to go, I will go. But my prayer was always very simple. God, I'm going. I want you to use me powerfully. I'm going, but then a certain time, people will close the door, and this situation will not work out, and I will not go. But then, like something else amazing in Korea will happen in my life, you know, so, things like that. And um, and even how I became a pastor, I can't share the whole story with you, but I will share the 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 gist of it. Like after some mission trips in my junior year, I decided, determined in my heart, this is what I want to do for a lifetime, man. I don't want to be an English teacher. Though teaching is amazing, but I'm going to do ministry. I want to be a missionary. So God, I'm just going to wait for you to open up a door. And I know you're going to use me powerfully in this way. I'm going to, I know you're going to give me nations. And I just decided to wait. Because all my friends though, if you're like a junior or senior, everyone is Submitting their applications, studying for some national exam, and they were preparing for the future. But I was the only one in my department out of like 65 girls, ambitious Iwa girls, that was not doing anything. My parents would call me, and they were believing that I was studying for the exam. They will be like, 힘들제. Like, oh, you are studying really hard, right? And I will be like, yeah. <laughs> you know. But then what I was doing was I would just wait on God. I would go to 기도실, like prayer room, come home. Make money. Go to school. I would just wait. And people would ask me, you know, every everybody. Oh, are you going to work, you know, apply for a company? Are you going to be a teacher? Oh, myung well, what's your plan? And I would be like, oh, I'm just waiting on God. And that made me sound like a fool to my non-believing friends. They're like, she she lost it, you know. <laughs> She's out of it, you know. <laughs> oh, good for you. And they would just be like, you know. And a semester passed. Nothing happened. Another semester passed. Nothing happened. I needed money. I needed money to go to seminary. I needed a position to hire me uh, as a whatever, you know, associate pastor or something. But there was nothing around me. And all I knew was my church. But my church is like English speaking foreigners church. You know, back then it was called JSCM. Now it's New Philly. But I was like, there's no way that and my English was really poor as well. So there's like, It was just not even an option. But God, I really want to stay in my church. But I also want to go to seminary. And I have no money. I have a ton of debt from IHWA. And it was just darkness, you know. And another semester passed. And I'm like, God, what the heck are you doing? And I'm praying and praying. And the last semester, last um, final exam ended. You know what that means, right? Winter vacation. And you're about to graduate. And I was... Full of shame to be honest i was like god you gotta be kidding me i waited and this is what i get huh but half that was like half of my heart but the other half of my heart was no there must be something I was believing, but I was also, what the heck? I was believing, God, there must be something, but what the heck? (laughs) And I was like freaking out. And then I remember coming to church after I finished my finals and I was, I just broke down in tears, like ugly cry to the max, like whatever, whatever, God. And then announcement time came. I was still crying, like, all throughout the service, and I was crying. And then Pastor Christian, he was a new pastor back then, and then he got on the stage and he made an announcement. He said, I have a new new announcement today. We're going to start recruiting new intern pastors. We're going to do something called NRTC intern pastor program. And I was like, what? (laughs) What? And he goes, we're going to provide housing. We're going to send you to seminary with full tuition, with book funds, everything. And we will hire you and have you work at our church as a 전도사, as a pastor. Okay, three things that I prayed for the entire year was all provided right then and there. Do you guys know that God is the creator of the whole universe? It's not a difficult thing for God to create a job for you. Don't feel like you need to like, you know, He could easily create something that was not there before just for you, custom made. You know, it has my name on it. So when I heard that announcement, I just knew that's for me. My my year and a half of prayer answered right there. That's mine. And then PC says something so interesting. Christian said this. And if you need to pray about it for two, three weeks, it's not for you. Don't apply. (laughs) But if you know that it's for you today, then sign up. Application starts today and ends today. Because it's such a good benefit, you know. Like, everyone will want to apply if they think about it and calculate the money, you know. So he said, you know, it's a three-year commitment. Uh, But I knew for sure that is my spot, so I applied. But but think with me again. It's kind of like, what? I'm applying because it it looks like God's opening up the door. But I got to face another mountain called Pastor Christian. And, you know, like, he has to choose me to, you know, be one. It could be God, I could... Tell me it's for you, but it's another thing to face him and the situation and other people competing with me to get the spot, you know? And later later, I learned this later, years later actually like last year, that it was PES Marcus he's a black guy, uh, and another girl, white girl, and then it was me the three people applied and turned in their applications that day, and the white girl is, by the way, really resourceful, high commitment really like good grew up in church, like perfect resume type of person. And uh, we're actually getting a lot of resources through her as well. So uh, Pastor Christian, Pastor Aaron, his wife told me later that when he looked at my application, he, he, he said, what the, Myung-ha? And he just put it aside. And he's like, oh, this girl and Marcus, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was set on choosing these two. He, his mind was set because they were qualified ones and they were the, whatever, you know, with the right pick in his mind, but then the following morning, Pastor Christian goes into his uh, quiet time and then God speaks to him. Don't close the door for Miaoha. Give her a chance. Give her an interview. So, you know, Holy Spirit spoke it to him and then he was like, okay. I don't think Myunga speaks English, but I will. (laughs) And he called me, and I went for an interview, and then through that short 10-minute interview, he found out that I speak some English, praise the Lord. And uh, he actually saw that I was growing in this house through different mission trips and in unseen capacities, you know. I wasn't a leader. I didn't even have a small group leader title at my church, but I was serving faithfully in hidden places, and Christian got to see me, um, in a different light, and God also spoke to him that this is it, this spot is for her, and that's how he, it was a hard decision for him to let go of the white girl, and he chose me to be an interim pastor, right, so that's how I became a pastor, but the gist of the story is, okay, I share the whole thing pretty much, but the gist of it is that I was, I was desiring God to use me guys, it wasn't just, God, use me in whatever you, way you want to. It was like, God, I'm going to sacrifice other things just to be used by you. You know, I want the perfect will of yours, so I'm not going to go other ways. You know, I'm going to wait on you, you know. And it's important for you to express that to him. God, use me. And he loves hearing that from you, right? So everything starts from that heart. But why Don't we say that then? How come we don't really ask him then? Here's a real hard question for you. Why do you not ask him? Why do you not? God, use me to save my parents. Use me to reach out to my classmates. Why? Because, simply put, because you don't want to. That's the answer. You know why? Yeah, ideally, I want to be, but then I really don't want to be. Because it's, it makes you scared, cause you gotta get out of your comfort zone. So then you gotta face awkward situations. Ah, Jesus. No, no, okay, okay. <laughs> you know, awkward situations like that. Cause you, if you pray it, you have this fear: of what if it really happens? If I pray it, I gotta follow through. You know, if I really say that, what if God like really uses me, like really? Send me to like Africa, you know, (laughs) in the Philippines or whatever, you know. What if he really does? That leads me to my second point. Second key is, I already said it: get out of your comfort zone. You gotta kick your lazy butt. See how Peter did it here? Peter could have waited in his comfort zone in the boat and just stay there, you know? Jesus, come here. Let's hang out in the boat. You know, he could have easily said that, but what did he do instead? He didn't wait for Jesus to arrive. He made himself uncomfortable to actually get out there. It it could have been awkward, peer pressure. Other disciples, they were not that sanctified back then, you know. They must have been like, what the heck? Who does he think he is? You know, always speaking up. And oh, Peter, the sanguine, like, you know. They might have murmured behind his back. It's risky. What if he steps out of the boat and sinks right then and there? What if Peter didn't know how to swim? Oh, no, that's a big issue right here. It's scary, and he's got to get his feet wet. You know? It's just physically, mentally, emotionally uncomfortable. This is not an easy thing. It stretches your faith, but Peter chose to do it. It takes a willing heart to be used by God. Willing to be uncomfortable uncomfortable and when we say god at whatever cost at whatever convenience i want to be used by you but that's that's what that's like a magic word that's what moves god to really start using you you know if you're not willing to get out of your comfort zone you're not going to go anywhere guys It's just a simple fact. I learned how to ride a bike, how to ride a bicycle, like three years ago. That required me to get on that scary-looking wheels, right? That uncomfortable chair. And that required my feet to be on the pedals. And it also required me to start pedaling without knowing if the person that was teaching me was holding my bike or not. That's mad scary. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? You don't understand this fear, man. You know, it was like, oh, I'm holding it, I'm holding it. But then like, do I trust this guy or not, you know? Are you really holding the bike or not, you know? It's risky, what if he's not holding it? What if I fall, you know? What if it gives me a scar on my leg? What if, you know? What if I run over like a pigeon or something? Risky, man. It's scary, and it takes you to actually get up there and sweat and work for it to learn it. If you're not willing to do that, you can't learn how to ride a bike. I'm still in the process of learning how to swim, everybody, okay? Don't judge me, I don't know how to swim. Yes, I grew up in Busan. Not everybody in Busan like commutes by swim or anything. But for you to learn how to swim, you have to be willing to change. Oh, so much hassle and wear that ugly swimming cap, right? Oh man, girls know what I'm talking about, you know? And you gotta get into the stinky, dirty water, and you know, you have to, even the embarrassment of holding that blue, what what is this, the the floating thingy? Yeah, and everybody's like looking at you, like, you know, you gotta risk something, and willing to pay the cost to learn how to swim. Even in like simple life matters, that's just the way how it is. And if you want to be used by God, it takes something from you. And it requires you to come out of the comfort zone. It may scare you guys. It may be risky. It could cause some awkward situations and conversations that you don't want to have. But trust Him. He's, he's leading you. Don't be scared. In another word, Getting out of my comfort zone, it also means the same thing, overcoming your fears. It's, it means the same thing. I share a story. Fear of failure. Have you felt that before? Fear of embarrassment in public? Fear of rejection? Oh, man. Those are really what we need to overcome daily. It's not something that I overcome, breakthrough in prayer, and I'm done with it forever. no. Guys, I still struggle with it. I'm gonna be honest. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of embarrassment, it still happens, but it's a daily battle for me to overcome. When you overcome it by choosing to get out of your comfort zone, you get a higher leverage on it, and then you go higher and higher, and the same fear that used to bother you doesn't bother me anymore. In class, in college, I could never ask a question in public. And it was, my hand was like bound to my I could never raise my hand to ask a question because I was so afraid that people would judge me, so afraid that my professor would like diss me in public. I could never ask a question. Always waited until the class was finished, and then I would like go up and ask privately. That was me. But trust me, when you overcome these different fears, only way to overcome it is getting out of it. Getting out and actually doing it. That's the only way to overcome your fear. I had a crazy stage fright, um, when and I remember when I uh, went to my second mission trip to Nepal, and uh, my leader Melissa, her name is Melissa, and she told me like two hours before the service, she asked me to share my testimony at the at the revival service that we were holding, and I was like, "You're tripping," <laughs> I was like, and I was looking for every reason to say no you know, my English is very poor, you know, there are people that are better than me, I'm not ready yet, I don't have it written down, I not, I'm not feeling well, <laughs> or all sorts of excuses were running through my mind to say no, but then she was like, I feel like I want you to do it today, I'm like, okay, sit down. Grab a piece of paper. I just started, whatever, writing down whatever. And I never had, I had never shared my testimony publicly before. So I didn't even know where to start. So I just like jot down some stuff and I was like, what the, is this it? And I remember like getting up there with my translator and I was shaking. My knees were shaking. My hands were shaking. It must have looked like I was like (laughs) dancing or something. But I got up there and then this bonus just comes upon me. And I'm like, oh. That was the grace, you know. This is your first time, you know. So I'm I'm up there looking at all these, like, Nepali men and women. They don't smile much. <laughs> They're all doing this. I don't understand if that means yes or no, you know. Like, kind of Indian thing. I'm like, is everyone okay? And I remember oh, opening up my testimony With the sentence, today I am going to share my love story with God. That's how I started my testimony. And I remember when I said it, just peace came upon my heart. And I just knew that. Oh, God really wanted me to do this, you know. And I shared my simple testimony of how I was rejected by my friends. I was bullied very severely in middle school. And how God used it, used it to bring me to the family of God. And through that love, how I came to understand the love of the Father. Simple testimony, 10 minutes. I finished, and three brothers stood up to receive Christ right then and there. And they were brought into the kingdom of God. I still remember the rooftop service. Those three brothers standing, praying. He used to follow hinduism they were brought into the kingdom and i just knew that there was party going on in heaven for the salvation of those three men only way to overcome your fear is actually doing it give it a shot you get you feel embarrassed who cares you know this is like what i really have to understand guys um success what's the definition of success to you So let's say I just share my testimony. What's the success of my testimony? What is a successful testimony? What is an unsuccessful testimony? Preaching. What is a successful preaching? What is an unsuccessful preaching? You know what what it is? If you obey the voice of God, that's success. If you obey God, not obey, obey God. (laughs) If you obey God, Success. You did what you needed to do. That's it. God calls it, great job. You obeyed my voice. That's it. And it doesn't matter. People think the result is my success. If more people stood up, that's successful. If people were not really feeling it, that was failure. No. Failure is if you fail to obey the word of God and actually step out in faith, that's failure, guys. If you stepped out no matter what and did what you could do, what you could give, that's what success means. You obeyed Him Success. And you could just leave it there. doesn't matter what kind of result you see. To be honest though, the result that you see with your physical eyes doesn't even measure up to what's actually happening in the spirit. You may approach some of your friends and say, hey, you want to come out to emails? And they say, no weird. I'm never going to go to a Christian gathering. You feel like, oh, this was failure, but no, it was success. You know why? Because you obey the voice of God to talk to them and you never know how God's going to use that simple conversation and invitation to save that person in the future. You never know. Success is obeying his voice. That's it. If you did that, success. You could just leave it there. Don't even look at anything else. Failure, what you need to Fear, fear of failure has to, fear of failing to hear his voice. But you know his voice. The Bible tells you, you know his voice. All you have to do is get out of that comfort zone and overcome your fear. All of you can do it. I did it. Oh, you can do it. I used to not be, but ask a question in class. Come on, you're SNU students. Come on. You can totally do this, you know. And uh, I said earlier that it's a daily struggle, you know. It's a daily thing. You need to overcome it every time the test comes. I still have a problem with this, okay. I remember last year I was preaching at a joint prayer meeting. It's like a gathering of different churches and I was preaching. Right before I preached, Pastor Christian, my pastor called me up to prophesy over someone. And what he means by that is he wanted me to pick out somebody from the crowd and like prophesy to that person, you know. You guys seen that before? Have you guys seen that before? Everyone familiar with it? And I was like, man, let me just preach, you know? I'm like, my mind is like so occupied with like what I'm going to preach. But he just calls me up and I'm like, I'm standing there pacing back and forth. I'm trying to get the word from the Lord, you know? And I I get a word, Melissa. So weird, right? Like a random name, Melissa. Oh, it happens to be my Nepotem name leader's name. But anyways, not related at all. So I just get a word, Melissa. And I felt like, and I, I was like, you want me to prophesy over Melissa? But I was pretty sure that in that room, there was no Melissa. Because it was a majority New Philly people. And I know all my people. And I look around, there's no Melissa, Holy Spirit. Holy spirit goes, Melissa. I'm like, all right, Melissa. And I brought the mic. And I, I say, is there Melissa in this room? Everyone's like standing and they're waiting for something powerful to happen. I'm like, is there Melissa in this room? Melissa, come out, Melissa. And then it's like silence, you know. I'm like, maybe your mom's Melissa? And <laughs> then said that. And then everyone started laughing because there was no Melissa, right? Maybe your mom's Melissa? And I started chuckling too. I started like laughing out loud into the mic. And everybody laughed. And end of the story, there was no Melissa, Right? So I was like, "Mm, then you come out. (laughs) But then, you know what though? You know, everyone thinks that experiencing a great success in something that you fear will give you confidence. If I ace it, if I get really good at it, it's gonna set me free, I'm gonna overcome this fear, right? You know what? Completely false. It's an experience of failure like this. It sets you free. I was like, oh, no, Melissa? And I realized it's okay to be wrong. Wow. Nobody's out there to judge me and call me a false prophet. Like everyone was just laughing. We had a good time. Oh, no, Melissa. <laughs> and I still laugh about this, you know. And I think Holy Spirit used that moment to set me free from the stage fear and fear of even prophecy. Fear of even, whatever, you know, like, fear of men in general. I think God just used it. He sent me up like that. He knew that there was no Melissa and nobody's mom was Melissa. But he used it to set me free from the fear of failure. And it taught me it's okay to be wrong. You know? Anyway, so I prophesied over this girl so powerful oh, it's kind of embarrassing for me to say but it wasn't that powerful okay she was crying and then she, it was precise words coming out it was only possible because the fear the intimidation was broken up pressure to impress people was broken off, and i was just myself and i was just flowing with the spirit of god and guys only way to overcome your fear what you gotta get out of your boats Get out of your comfort zone to overcome. Baby steps, that's what's gonna set you free. And not the greatest success, no, the failure will actually set you free. Amen? So don't be afraid to step out. No one's out there to condemn you, judge you. You know, it's all good. Obey the voice of God and that's all you gotta care, care about. Amen? Oh man. Yeah, Melissa. Hope to see her. One day, somehow, somewhere. And then moving on to verse 30, it says this, but when he saw the wind, this is talking about Peter, Peter got out of the boat, he started walking on the water, and he said, it says, when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Interesting, okay? It's interesting how it says Peter saw the wind. Everybody? Eyes on me. Oh, okay. Kindergarten thing. Eyes on me. Everybody. You, uh, no, not everybody. Hey, Peter, it says... <gasps> Peter, when Peter saw the wind... Isn't that wording weird? Can you see wind? Not right? Right? So it's literally talking about wind. And when Peter saw the wind, he started to doubt and he started to sink. There is a verse... In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says this, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith, not by sight. Paraphrase, we walk by what we believe, what we cannot see, what what the Word of God says, not by what we see, the circumstances, the oppositions, the fears, or whatever. We walk by faith, not by sight. What Peter was experiencing here, his eyes were drifted away from Jesus. And instead of looking to Jesus, what he started to see was circumstances. Strong wind. It's like, oh, I'm actually on water. The fear, you know, my inadequacy. I'm a human. All these things started to crowd his mind and he actually literally started to sink when his eyes were off Jesus. He was not walking by faith. He was at the beginning, but then he started to walk by sight and he began to sink. You know, walking by faith, it means living by what we believe of God and of ourselves. What God's word says about you, what God's word says about the world, about himself, about Jesus, that's what we need to walk by. I'm going to give you an example of how we so often walk by sight, because that's what we are used to. Walking by sight, for example, we walk by sight. Sight meaning like outward appearances or also our our decisions based on the circumstances or the natural things. That's like walking by sight. How do you walk by sight so often? Walking by what we see. What do you see around you? Tough circumstances. Oh, man, it's not going to work out. Oppositions, obstacles. When you see those things and you stop walking by faith, you walk by sight. And you make decisions based on it. How many of you have done that before? Almost every day. We do that, right? No, it's not going to work out. I don't have any money. You know? What about what of God that says I will provide? I'll gladly provide more than you more than you need. What happened to that verse? You know, ah, oh, you know, I don't think I can do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified. What happened to God that creates something out of nothing? What happened to that word? Why weren't you putting your faith on on that and instead on circumstances? How often do we do that? Oh, I'm um, too sick. I'm not going to go to church today. What happened to the God that heals you? What happened to the family of God that can pray for you and lay hands on you? What happened to the scriptures that tells you, gather the elders and lay hands on the sick and they will recover? What happened to that verse and you're putting so much weight on, I'm sick, I'm not feeling well. Hey, what happened? Why are you walking by sight? You've got to walk by faith. By We walk so often by what we hear, what others say about us. What uh, like men's approval, what like lies of the enemy, can I say? Like what you hear in your ears, you know? What about God's voice that you could do all things in Christ Jesus? What about to the ends of the earth I will be with you? And why are you so scared right now, you know? And why are you so anxious because people are talking negatively about you? What about your reputation, peer pressure? But Jesus said, I'll put you in the family and you will be accepted and celebrated. What what happened to that? The tension, you guys see what I'm saying? So often we walk by sight and not by faith. What about what you feel? Oh, this is some serious thing, okay? Emotions about yourself. pity parties. Have you ever had a pity party on your birthday? Oh, I did that every single year in college, okay? didn't matter how many people came up to me to say happy birthday. I just always felt neglected, forgotten. It's just a, something about birthday that I just felt so unloved. Am I alone here? You've been there before, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, I'm like, it just feels like nobody really cares. They kind of care, but they don't really, you know? Emotions about yourself or emotions about... um I guess toward God or toward Jesus, you know, like what you feel in your heart, but you know, what you feel isn't as heavy as what the word of God says. He says he loves you unconditionally. He sent his one and only son, you know, for you and he, he loves you. He's crazy about you, but then you don't feel it. So God, I don't know. I don't think you love me emotions over the faith and you're just walking by side. I don't feel like going to church. I don't think Think Jesus really loves me. Emotions getting in the way, hinders you from walking by faith. But then if you really are going to walk by faith, you got to say, no, I feel this way. I feel lonely. I've been neglected. I feel like God doesn't even see me. But the word of God says, no, he sees me. Every single day he's with me. Right now he wants to touch me. He wants to bless me. Oh, walking by faith right there. So often we walk by sight, guys. It's like some of my college days. Man, I made so many decisions, foolish decisions based on these. And we need to stop. We gotta walk by faith and stop doubting the Word of God. Stop doubting His love. Stop doubting the salvation power. Stop doubting that you are a son of God. Walking by faith is upholding the word of God above and beyond all things. That you see, that you hear, that you feel, and you say, no, what you say, God, is ultimatum. That's what I'm going to walk by. And if you learn to let the word of God control your life, depression has no room in you. Like Sin cannot even get in the way. Because you are walking by faith, guys, walking by the Word of God. Then emotions got no What people say now, like what you see, circumstances, obstacles, no, my God is the God that breaks through. Come on now. You are going to start walking in some crazy powers. Guaranteed. See, Peter, such a good example. When he started to give thoughts to his fear, his insecurities, and hear and see the wind, you know, Eyes off of Jesus. That's when he began to sink, and I love this part when he begins to sink. Everyone say immediately. Immediately, immediately means uh, immediately, right? <laughs> immediately Jesus reaches out and grabs him. He didn't let Peter sink because he doubted. And this verse right here: "Oh, you little, you of little faith. Why did you doubt?" I don't think Jesus spoke it in a condemning manner, like. Dude, why did you doubt? So You know, Jesus is speaking, oh, you of little faith. You almost made it. Why did you doubt? Dude, let me hold you up, you know? Jesus is gracious. He's loving. He loves Peter. And even when he had doubts, he's not like saying, oh, you lack faith. How, how, how many more times are you going to fall? He's not doing that. He said, immediately without even giving you time to fall or sink, immediately snatches you and says, hey, you almost made it. Why did you doubt? Don't doubt next time, you know? The fourth point, it leads to my last point, guys. It's receive grace. That's so important. Three steps that I talked about is Really good, but the fourth point is super important. You have to learn to receive grace and be familiar with it and also be shameless about receiving it over and over again. Trust me, you will let go of faith at certain times and you will make decisions and you will walk by side and even when you grow and mature, trust me, I still do that. But what keeps me going and not giving up on walking by faith is grace of Jesus. He grabs me and he shows me grace it's okay there's next time it's okay i will cause you to look at me again it's okay at the end of the story you know what you guys peter made it back into the boat and they were happy ev- ev- happy ev- uh, happily ever after <laughs> maybe not happily ever after but um you know but he made it back into the boat And he was still Jesus' disciple. He wasn't like taken off the list. You know, Jesus didn't like rebuke him publicly. You know, it was all good. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if there's no Melissa in the room. It's okay to make mistakes and fall at times because he brings you back. It's all because of Jesus that we can we can walk by faith, guys. If you try to walk by faith and there's no grace, you are, you are, you are your life is like hopeless. But because of grace, you are able to walk in this journey over and over again. So good. Mm. At the end of the day, guys, Peter is the guy that walked on the water. People might have said, you know, well, Peter tried, but he doubted, and he he didn't finish, you know, and she just pulled him up and put him back to the boat. They may all say that, but they're the ones that are saying, the the ones that are saying so didn't even get on the water. Losers always do that, you know. Well, that's bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm saying, Peter, at the end of the story is, he's the one that walked on the water with Jesus. Glorious. Jesus used him in such a powerful way. Peter became the rock of the church. He became the foundation. And he preached. This, this wimpy guy, man, he denied Jesus three times. But then after Jesus' resurrection, he's the one that Jesus built his church upon. Man, this man knew how to receive grace. He didn't beat himself down. I didn't finish. You know, I actually sank and I failed. He didn't do that. You know, he knew how to receive grace. At the end of the day, my challenge to you guys is so simple. I want to see a bunch of Peters rising up from this room. He's not asking for perfectionism. Can I just say that? He's not asking for most qualified people to use. He's just looking for those who are willing, those who are going to get out of their boats and just take that baby step. That's what he's looking for. If he was searching for perfection, he wouldn't have chosen me to come here tonight. He's showing you that I raised the weak to shame the strong. And you may think, mm, my Malaysian students, you may, you may empathize with me. Oh, my English is not this strong. Who cares? God will use you guys. God will use you to shame the strong and perfectly fluent American speaking whatever people. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know? God's going to use you when you feel weak, when you feel not qualified, when you feel not good enough. That's a perfect time for you to rise up. That's for you. So today, I'm just going to, I want to pray for some people. Is that okay? Man, why is it so hot? Is the heater on? Yeah, I'm on fire, so kill that heater right now. Alright? right? So kill that heater. We're going to spend some time in prayer. But I'm going to just ask you guys all to stand up.